content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Mary Holland. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Did I give you a scare? A little bit. A little bit. Puckered <laughs> well, up. Know, ever so slightly. Uh, well, you know what? I didn't even know what happened, but I'm suspecting, because I left my studio door open last night, that Dean, my cat got up on top of the desk, and hit the disconnect button. That's I the see. only explanation I have. I see. Dean the dancing machine. <laughs> Dean, Dean the dance machine. But we are here, and we are live. Kip, Kip, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, Bernadette. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Kip Rogers. I love this woman. She has been on <laughs> since the very beginning of One Life Radio, which is reaching 12 years here very soon. Uh, it'll be our 12-year anniversary of being on the air. And uh, Kip is a dear friend. She is also a licensed professional counselor and supervisor and sports psychology professional. She holds two master's degrees and have, has over 25 years of experience with athletes, coaches, families, and corporate teams. Kip is a certified high-performance coach, former professional athlete, and mom of two in college. Her website is braincodecorp.com. That's braincodecorp.com or on Instagram at KipFit or Facebook at Coach KipFit. Always a pleasure. I'm fascinated with what we're talking about today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kip, I love this topic. Uh, and we've, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. If we have, I don't remember. It's been, a, you know, we've been on the air a lot. But uh, okay. the, se- the self-esteem movement lied to you. So Yes. Uh, that's a bold statement. So let's fart. Yes. So let's not fart. Let's start. <laughs> or okay. fart if that's what you got to do. I mean, <laughs> with, with defining self-esteem, how is it different than confidence or self-value? Well, uh, I think, and this. So I'm going to take because this is more our generation, Bernadette. So okay. Back, this is a movement that largely started in American households during like the 1970s and 80s. And it was followed by uh, this first book by a psychotherapist by the name of Nathaniel Brandon. And he wrote the psychology of Mm self-esteem. And so self-esteem he was aiming at, well, his definition, right, is to the drive to improve 
in essence, a child's belief in themselves or what we might call confidence. Okay. All right. Um, and so he, I, and I can definitely vouch, this was a movement that was in my household as a kid um, with a father who taught graduate psychology at the Ohio State University. So, oh, wow. so dad definitely embodied this kind of unconditional love, positive affirmations. And so it started out that we can build or develop a child's self-esteem based, based on rhetoric, based on giving them these affirmations. You know, mm-hmm. we learned about warm fuzzies back then or cold pricklies. And that was all about like basically our rhetoric and our verbal that we, you know, give back and forth to each other. Um, you know, I don't know if we ever did that in our house, <laughs> but <laughs> didn't happen in mine either. I, I, yeah, I don't think it happened in my home. I mean, my mother, I, I talk about this often and I don't know if this is related or not, but somehow I think that it is. My mother, my mother never talked about herself. She never talked about what she looked like. She never put any emphasis on what she looked like. She was uh, a writer. She was a nurse primarily, uh, a very astute one and highly educated one and went on to be a teacher of nursing. Um, and then like you live. Uh, uh, not Liz, <laughs> Kip. <laughs> uh, like you, Kip, uh, she studied uh, psychology and uh, went into psychiatric nursing, and then you know uh, worked her way up in that. But uh, she never, she never talked about what she looked like or what we looked like, or you know, put a lot of emphasis on "Aren't you pretty?" or "Don't you look pretty?" None of that. It was just like you, you. It was a very practical, and she was from Ohio too. You know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my mother was born and raised uh, in uh, a small town called Ritman, which is, I believe, outside of Akron. Um, and yeah, and my grandfather was uh, uh, raised in uh, Cleveland and went to the, uh, oh my gosh, uh, what is the name of the, med- the famous medical school in, at the Cleveland Clinic? I, I usually pull it oh, off at the top of my uh, head. Case Western. Case Western, yes. But yep. my mother never focused on herself, and I don't know if that had anything to do with my upbringing, but we weren't taught to, you know, uh, look in the mirror every day and decide how pretty we were or weren't. We just kind of lived our lives. Well, that's, part. I think, part of where it spilled over into that kind of thing because I, I think the movement directed parents, and then it, it kind of then influenced into the education system so it infused kids with this positive affirmation, unconditional praise and feedback, uh, and an effort to shield children, really, from pain of what we would call low self-esteem, resulting after criticism or difficult environments. And then the movement spilled over into, we saw it in children's television, then the youth sports movement, where we no longer have oh, winners yeah. and losers and MVPs and most improved. Now... Everyone just gets the participation trophy because we don't want to hurt or offend somebody's feelings. And so it's a real emphasis on feeling Mm -hmm. versus an emphasis on belief in yourself. Wow. So, so, uh, you know, uh, so, so you, this movement started in the seventies, you said, so how, so how did or does self-esteem focus or damage people, you know, damage our children? Well, I think it puts the emphasis kind of like you were describing. It puts the emphasis on self, and and self becomes the focus. 
Yeah. Um, and even the the father of this movement, Brandon, Nathaniel Brandon, began disagreeing with where people started taking the movement. Um, and he really he came out very publicly uh, indicating that this was becoming more harmful than helpful. Mm hmm. And so what are some of the things that it harms besides uh, maybe someone, I don't know, does it, is this, <laughs> and then uh, take that with the, the social media now that has created so many narcissistic, beha narcissistic behaviors, whether or not you can create a narcissist from social media, I don't know about that. You would be the one to answer that question, not me, but um, I think that they're somehow related though, don't you? Because it's so much focus on you and what you well, look like. It, I think in part. What it's led to is part of what we have affectionately now called the entitlement generation, uh -huh. right? We've stressed that these feel-good notions uh, that we we are now entitled to feel good or we're entitled to not – we're now legislating being offended or not being offended. And feel-good notions are harmful rather than helpful. you got to be able to examine yourself. Uh, and how you uh, develop or raise our students, our kids, and that comes from facing difficulty. It comes from going through hard things. Mm -hmm. um, we can't dismiss the importance of objective compliments, but we don't just hand out gold stars for every possible thing that they do. That's right. stupid. Right, or an E for effort. Isn't that part of this, too, where you get an E? <laughs> something or, like that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i i just think it's created more of an epidemic of anxiety and depression and then yeah when you ha i mean depression is a focus on self or feeling sorry for self not all of it mm -hmm. don't send me the emails that i don't i do like there are some legit neurological things that create that sadness but largely we have increasing numbers of people at all ages who cannot handle basic daily responsibility and challenges, right? They crumble at mm -hmm. disagreement. They want praise for basic self-care and household duties. Um, they lash out at superior figures, uh, authority figures, such as teachers or coaches who demand excellence. They don't want to be challenged anymore. And so if I look back to where that started, to me, that's kind of w where it began lying to young mm. people. All right. Are you Hello? Hello? Oh, okay. All right. I guess did we lose V? <laughs> I guess we have lost uh, Burn. We have lost Burn to death. All right. Okay. Well, it's time to go to a break anyway. <laughs> so uh, I will figure out uh, what happened to Bernadette. Folks, you are okay. listening to One Life Radio. We'll be right back. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The courage to face COVID-19, preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. 
and cause unknown the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Kip Rogers. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Kip Rogers is a licensed professional counselor and supervisor and sports psychology professional. She holds two master's degrees and has over 25 years of experience with athletes, coaches, families, and corporate teams. She is also a certified high-performance coach, former professional athlete, and mom of two in college. Her website is braincodecorp.com. That's braincodecorp.com or on Instagram at kipfit or on Facebook at coachkipfit. Okay, we're talking about the self-esteem movement lied to you. That's our topic today. And so, you know, uh, you know, you you talked about the father of this movement ending up disagreeing Mm -hmm. with the movement and why Mm -hmm. he did that. But you also, you know, let's let's go down this path. Let's talk about um, I know that you have seven things that parents can do to prevent this selfish focus in their kids and build appropriate confidence and self-esteem. So let's go. What are they? And this is a big one. Um, I think you really have to teach basic responsibility without reward. So Mm. parents of confident kids don't praise or reward their child for doing essential things of responsibility. So every child, as soon as they can walk, they can do chores or jobs in the house. And like in my household, I called it teamwork. And you don't get a star. You don't get money. You don't don't get paid for doing those things. It's just part of what you do in running a household. So right. even kids as young as two can put their toys and belongings away. They can fold laundry. They can pick up trash. They can make their bed. Um, and I know some parents may be balking at me at the moment, but um, I, I'll tell you what. I recently saw an 18-month-old learning to snowboard when I was in Utah about a month ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Those kids, those parents are raised, they're so hands-on about building and raising a daughter who mm-hmm. believes in herself. Mm-hmm. I think you I know? saw that on social. It was amazing, actually. I'm pretty sure it's, it's got to be the same kid because it was, it was, it was, the child was very small. And I remember thinking, holy smoke, you know, uh, but yeah, right. yeah, no, I, I, if anybody's balking at you, they need to listen even more intently because I agree <laughs> with you a hundred percent. That's one of the reasons I'm so independent. I mean, my mother had a schedule and we had to be, and each one of our names was on it and we had daily chores that we had to complete. And, uh, right. and I, to this day, thank her for instilling that kind of discipline in me because discipline is so important and it's things that you have to do. You shouldn't be rewarded for making your bed. You should make your bed because it's, it's a good thing to do and doing the dishes and all these things just to keep your be a, as you said be part of a team teamwork yeah i've always gotten the teamwork. feeling that you were doing your parents taxes at 10 <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No, I wasn't, but I wasn't. The laundry, maybe. I was doing the laundry, and I was in charge yeah. of the candy counter at the grocery store, or my father's uh, grocery store. I was, I did yeah. inventory and a lot of things. I was very fortunate, though, to be put in that position, you know, um, at a I, young age. Like, I, uh, I was. I, I consider it such a blessing as an adult. So, uh, so on this list of seven things that parents can do to prevent a selfish focus uh, on themselves, their kids on themselves, uh, and build appropriate confidence, and esteem. What's the next one? Uh, I almost called you. Well, I think you want to encourage effort and learning over results. So kids need to understand their value doesn't come from results, like winning and A's. Those things are good and important to strive for, but it's more important that I affirm their work ethic Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage them to keep going when it gets difficult. Um, whether they win or not, whether they receive the A or not, it's attention to the process that really builds their self-esteem and their confidence in doing things. So mm-hmm. encourage effort and learning over results. Well, yeah, and I think that uh, that's a big that's <laughs> that's a big tool to have in your toolbox, right? Because you don't always win. Uh, sometimes you can work for years and years and you don't always win. You don't get the gold star or the A. But it is about the work ethic. It's kind of like the tortoise and the hare, right? If you keep that work ethic going, eventually you'll end up in a, in a better place, I think. You will, <laughs> but I, I, I guess what I see a lot today is even kids don't try very hard because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can get a reasonable grade. And, and I don't think that's good either. No, it's, it's like, not. give your best effort, whatever that actually results in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like, I don't care what, what, whether it's an A or B, what I care about is that you gave your best for that, for that A or B. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent yeah. advice. What's the next one on the list? All right, teach your kids to question their thoughts. I would say this is a huge one in today's time. Um, There's a large majority of our young people dealing with anxiety and depression, and it's really fostered by erroneous thinking and making assumptions, uh, like making assumptions of what other people think. Um, And so you really have to instruct your kids to question their thoughts. And this teaches critical thinking. Mm-hmm. So examples of that, if your kid said something, whether it's, you know, about a friend or about a teacher or about a coach or even about themselves, it's like, is that really true? Is that accurate? Am I yeah. assuming a conclusion based on what I saw or heard, but I don't really know for sure? Um, Cause you don't really know what he or she is thinking. So you want to get them to question what we call automatic negative thoughts or the Mm. ants or crazy illogical ideas because uh, (laughs) we have to explain what is normal and equip our kids to question the accuracy of such thoughts. Yeah, no, I would agree. That's a huge one, too. What's the next one on this list? Be a role model. This is also big. You know, Mm -hmm. your children learn from watching your actions and behaviors. And if your words don't match your behavior, they're going to see it. They're going to know it. Um, And I think parents, too, demonstrate your your own confidence by speaking positively about yourself, Mm -hmm. by setting goals, taking action, going through struggle, and you being emotionally stable as you face those things. Yeah. And so 
you know, parents, teachers, coaches, we all got to role model the way during difficult times in dealing with difficult people. Mm-hmm. You can't fly into a rage if somebody cuts you off on the highway. Right. That's, that's not a good role model. <laughs> Man, I think back to my childhood, I didn't get any of this. Really? Mm. That explains a lot about me standing here before you today. Mm. Uh, I mean that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I have, you know, my self-esteem is not great. I am not my my biggest fan. And you're talking about a lot of these things. And, you know, my parents didn't do any yeah. of that stuff that you were just talking about. And Wow. You know, wow. That's really bold and vulnerable of you. Yeah. I was, just, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to even say that. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, you, you hear stories about a lot of people that get, like, no tools in their toolbox uh, um, then. And, and you're still, you know, relatively young, Jerry. Um, I the, appreciate that. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you can change all that right now. And I do think it is important to have role models but uh, and, and good role models. But, you know, uh, and it takes a village, though, sometimes to raise a child. I think of single mothers or fathers, single fathers. You know, they count on other people. I have a, a nephew who, who's a single father father of four boys, you know, mm. and he counts on me to, uh, you know, help him sometimes, um, both emotionally. Um, he never asks for any financial help, although sometimes I do offer it a little here, a little there, because being a single guy and raising four, uh, four sons, um, you know, is, is difficult. That's I, I, crazy. Yeah. No, and he's a really good father. I'm very, very proud of him. And he learned that from my mother and father. And so, and they weren't perfect. I'm, my mother and father made a lot of mistakes. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. And so, you know, this role model thing, Kip, that, you know, isn't it important that your children see you be real as well? So you're not like this stoic, uh, not, I'm not going to say phony, but, um, you know, that's kind of the word I'm thinking of, where you're not really showing emotion when you should be showing emotion. Like you should cry at a funeral. You should cry after a divorce. Well, right. You yeah, know, well, I, I think losses and difficulty in life provide those prime environments for us to show our negative feelings, mm-hmm. but not be controlled by them. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. We show it because it's appropriate, obviously, at a funeral. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We show yeah. it if we're facing a certain, you know, stress of a diagnosis or a loss of a job. and But they also see us not being ruled by it, but continuing to take action to overcome and move forward. Yeah. No, it's uh, raising children is the hardest job in the world. It really is. <laughs> I don't think most people really realize how hard it is when they think, oh, you know, when they're little, they're so sweet, and you don't realize. Those are the easy years, in my opinion, um, because it's, you know, I don't know. It's just easier when they're little than they are when they're when they're grown up. Uh, and so, you know, I know that you have three more uh, uh, things yeah, to prevent the selfish I can be focus. Real quick. Okay. Uh, be real okay. Yeah, uh, well, teaching coach coping skills, which kind of goes along with uh-huh. what we've just been saying. Um, I think you have to help your kids. Another one is to foster independence. You know, you mm. do provide opportunities for your child to solve their own problems. Yep. Um, so you provide the choice for them to figure things out. Uh, and if they're struggling, like with what we've been saying, with like regulating their emotions or controlling their emotions, then it can be just a simple thing. We'll, you know, go sit at the kitchen table until you can choose to talk, and then we'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, well, but when they're raging out of control themselves, like you can't have a conversation with them. So you yeah. have to help them begin to self self manage that and foster that independence of self regulation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then I think, you know, another big thing and the final thing is support their interests. Their interests are going to be different mm. than yours. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, children that are more confident are engaged in things that they enjoy. So do allow them to experiment and choose their sport mm-hmm. or, cho- you know, choose the arts or whatever it is that they may be you know, want to engage in and learn more about. Uh, And I think that's important. You know, I definitely had the rule in my household, you got to be physically active in in some way, but I let them decide which sport uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I I think too, for parents is, you know, do expect them to complain and find it hard at times, but then Mm -hmm. that's the moment that you help them move through it rather than, allowing them to quit or change teams mm-hmm. or do things like that. Yeah. You know, I've often thought about whether or not I made a mistake by forcing, I know with one child I didn't, my second one not so sure, about forcing them to pick a musical instrument. <laughs> and they must mm-hmm. study music and learn that discipline of, of doing something that you don't really want and doing it every day. Um, I, and so, except, you know, you get maybe one day off a week. And like you said about they must participate in physical activity, I kind of set that um, by uh, role modeling it myself. Wish I maybe would have done a little more of that. But is it bad? And we've only got like 30 seconds. Is it bad to, to yeah. force a child to play a, an instrument in your opinion, Kip? It's not bad to force them to, like, when that's first introduced to them in school and, like, mm-hmm. hey, let's try it for a year, see mm-hmm. how it goes, mm-hmm. and, and force them to experiment with it to see if they like it or not. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think that's bad. Okay. I, I mean, I did piano, flute, guitar, and I sucked at all of them. <laughs> and it was but- like, okay, it's obviously <laughs> not one of your gifting. Yeah, um, but you persevered, but and look how smart you are. Well, it was important to my mom that I learn how to read music, which I am grateful for. Yeah. So I I think you can, that can be part of the experimentation is go ahead and have them sign up for different things and then Mm -hmm. figure out where their interests and talents lie. Yeah. I miss being on the air with you more often. It's been great to have you with me. (laughs) Sorry about the rough opening. Not sure what happened there, but... uh, but uh, it's great to have you with us. Kip Rogers, everyone. You can find her at braincodecorp.com or on Instagram at KipFit or on Facebook at Coach KipFit. We're going to have a 12-year anniversary party one of these days. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All you right. You touched Kip- me today, by the way, Kip. Aw, that's Aww. so sweet. She's a, she's a good one. She's a good one. I inc- uh, highly. Uh, if you're- There's that internet cutting out again. There's- <laughs> well. All right. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, Kip. Thank you very much. Yes. All right. Thanks, Jerry. All right, folks. Mary Holland is coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. And welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Mary Holland. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Mary Holland serves as president and general counsel of Children's Health Defense. She left the faculty of New York University School of Law, where she served for 17 years, most recently directing its graduate lawyering program. Mary received her Master of Arts and Juris Doctor degrees from Columbia University and her undergraduate degree from Harvard. She has worked in international public and private law and Mary is the co-author of Vaccine Epidemic and the HPV Vaccine on Trial, Seeking Justice for a Generation Betrayed. Their website is childrenshealthdefense.org. Always a pleasure. Mary Holland, how are you doing today? 
Great, Bernadette. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you, too. And we are going over the most read news and views of the week with Mary Holland and the Children's Health Defense.org. So, Mary, the first headline reads, Tragic, CDC adds original COVID mRNA vaccine to childhood schedule despite known harm. So, Mary, all I can ask is how could they? Uh, with no science. Um, the yeah. only thing that's good about this, Bernadette, is just because they recommend it does not mean that states have to mandate it. 21 states have already banned uh, mandating COVID shots to kids. So what we can do is ask for other states to follow suit. There's not a mm. single state in the United States, including California or New York, they're saying they're putting it on the 2023 school schedule. Wow. Uh, but it doesn't mean that people aren't affected. They are. Uh, it's terrible. It's absolutely outrageous that they've done this. Um, it, but I, I, what I'm quoted in this article is saying, Bernadette, is maybe this is the beginning of the end because mm-hmm. people are really starting to catch on that this whole childhood vaccine schedule, putting COVID shots on it, which are completely mm-hmm. unjustifiable, you know, there's not a lot to it. It's dangerous. It's potentially deadly. And I think people are catching on. Yeah, it's reckless is what it is. It's reckless and, and some would say even criminal. But uh, uh, that's good news, I guess. At least we have that, right? Okay, so let's go to the second headline. We only have 30 minutes today. The second headline reads, As health concerns escalate after Ohio train disaster, advocates want to take back our rail system from greedy profiteers. So, Mary, you know, the news has finally gotten out, even though mainstream media at first tried to bury and downplay what happened in East Palestine, Ohio. But the evidence continues to mount of serious health and environmental issues what is the latest on this story? Well, the latest seems to be that the mainstream media and the local government downplayed this extraordinary disaster and mm-hmm. that um, what they're calling was a controlled burn was pretty out of control for these 150 rail cars and that very serious toxic um, things got into the water and the air dioxin in particular mm-hmm. um, which is essentially one of these things that's incredibly slow to degrade so many many activists are calling for a complete evacuation of that area which the government has not done so I think wow. we're, we're still watching this but it's very disturbing it is and i don't know if you saw the video of the thousands of birds just dropping out of the sky dying and dropping to the pavement did you see that i've seen it and i've seen you know images of the water they've given people bottled water but it's very clear that the air and the water and the rain are all toxic and of course it travels Um, So there's real questions about what this has done, everything east of the Mississippi. I mean, there are big questions here, Bernadette. I don't think we know the whole story yet. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, there's always a story and the uh, and the behind-the-scenes story, right, <laughs> as we've learned. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so the third headline from the most read news and views of the week from the Defender newsletter reads, Musk versus Schwab at World Government Summit, two competing visions for the future. So, Mary, what is each man's vision for the future of the world, and what did this piece from the Defender newsletter written by Ph.D. Michael Nevradakis uh, report? Well, we know that Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, is all for central control, the Great Reset, transhumanism, making us all into cyborgs. The good news is that although I do think that um, Mr. Musk is part of that whole billionaire elite class, and he, you know, also support, he's got a company, Neuralink, about putting chips in people's brains. He, at least in this forum about world, the future of government, was saying we need civilizational diversity. We can't have one centralized authority for the whole world because if something goes wrong, the whole ship goes down. Mm-hmm. So I was very pleased to see that Elon Musk is calling for what he calls civilizational diversity. That's a plus.
Yeah. And he's, he talks in here about one of the biggest risks to the future of civilization is uh, artificial intelligence, right? Right. Yeah, right. and, and, and so, and, you know, the, any, any uh, local, or not local, any uh, news updates on the World Economic Forum uh, and, and anything that they have, uh, you know, it's, initiated recently? Not really. I mean, if you read this article, though, and I recommend people do, it's just kind of awful, to be honest with you. 10,000 people went to this conference in Dubai about government in 2071, and it's all about climate change and mass migration and mass layoffs and social unrest and merging humans and technology, and that's what they consider to be the best-case scenario. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty depressing, frankly, what they sort of foresee in our future. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we don't have to take what they say is gospel that's for sure yeah no absolutely it is it is kind of disturbing uh schwab is quoted as saying that technology technology can help the elite be the master of the world no one gets to be the master of the world certainly not him no one (laughs) oh my gosh okay so let's move to the next story the next story headline from the defender newsletter most read news and views of the week reads And this is very scary. Uh, Fingerprints of unvaccinated New York City teachers sent to the FBI, affidavit says. So, Mary, how is this even possible? Isn't this outrageous? I was yes. weeks ago, and um, this was in deposition testimony. So this is sworn statements, and really, this is what we have to be concerned about, that there is a, there is a tr- tendency, there's a trend here to basically not only um, vilify and punish people who are unvaccinated, but potentially move towards a, a situation where that's um, criminal. And so these teachers who happen not to be vaccinated, who absolutely were exercising their lawful rights not to take experimental injections and to assert their religious rights, um, these people were basically being set up for being tagged as right-wing extremists or terrorists. The the New York City Department of Education sent their fingerprints to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So we are calling for an investigation of this. This is absolutely wrong. Oh, my gosh. Well, isn't this kind of flagging uh, of any American citizen a violation of our constitutional rights? Absolutely. Absolutely. These people have no, there was absolutely no business. But what, what, what this was doing, Bernadette, was basically making these teachers unable to get their jobs back. They finally gave up the vaccine mandate in the New York City schools. And by putting problem codes, quote unquote, on their, in their employment records, they were basically stigmatizing these teachers and making it all but impossible for them to be rehired. This is really serious. This is retaliatory behavior. And absolutely, we are going to get to the bottom of this and challenge it. Yeah, it's 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 wrong on every level. And I'm you know, I I immediately thought of Michael Caine, who is a New York City teacher, and he's also the national grassroots organizer for Children's Health Defense and founder of Teachers for Choice. Uh, These problem codes that they tag on these people, if they want to go on uh, or these teachers, if they want to go on and get another job, it follows them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is outrageous. And and fortunately, Bernadette, it was really wonderful. I was in the courtroom. One of these three judges was like, this is outrageous. You know, what are yeah. you doing? These yeah. people were acting within their lawful rights. How dare you send this to the FBI? So mm-hmm. at least there was that kind of a strong reaction from the court. Uh, and I do think that it made an impression on all three of the judges that this is this is wrong. Yeah. 
No, it is wrong. And, you know, I'm going to skip ahead a story here um, because uh, the, the sixth uh, headline is about here's how the U.S. government is tracking the unvaccinated because th this is related. I mean, I'm unvaccinated. You're unvaccinated. Are they tracking us as well as the FBI have a file on us? Well, this story is really about how they're going to be. There are now codes when you go to any mainstream medical office, not when you go to somebody off the grid. But if you go to any mainstream medical office, there are now ICD codes that the World Health Organization puts together for tagging you for being unvaccinated. This is absolutely novel, Bernadette. Historically, those those codes are for diseases or for syndromes or for medical problems. They're not mm -hmm. for your status not being vaccinated. But it's very clear that in a hospital context, they are now trying to establish who's been vaccinated and not. And they're trying to establish your reasons for not being vaccinated, which is just outrageous. This is private medical information. And yet clearly it's being tracked. Wow. That's scary. That should scare the bejesus out of everyone. Like, really? Um, and, and, and these vaccine passports, are, is that still, are they still trying okay. to push for that? This is the path towards the passports. And remember that this global elite, the World Economic Forum, the UN, has this ID 2020. So 2020 has come and gone. But this is, the UN Sustainable Development Goal for 2030 is that every human on the planet has a digital ID. And mm. a big part of the vaccine passport was to get that digital ID for every individual. So mm -hmm. this is a very linked concept. This is all about control. This is about control at the level of the individual globally. Wow. And that should scare everyone. It really should. I'm so glad we're talking about it, though, here on the air. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to stay on track and go to break. We'll be right back. More coming up with Mary Holland and the childrenshealthdefense.org. You are listening to One Life Radio. Health, freedom, news, and views with the president of Children's Health Defense, Mary Holland. One Life Radio will be right back. Hey, everyone, I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotic. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care. Her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself, and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Mary Holland. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Mary Holland serves as president and general counsel of Children's Health Defense. She left the faculty of New York University School of Law, where she served for 17 years, most recently directing its graduate lawyering program. Mary received her Master of Arts and Juris Doctor degrees from Columbia University. 
University and her undergraduate degree from Harvard. She has worked in international public and private law and is the co-author of Vaccine Epidemic and the HPV Vaccine on Trial Seeking Justice for a Generation Betrayed. You can reach Mary. Org. We are halfway through the top 10 most read news and views of the uh, from views uh, from the Defender newsletter in the Children's Health Defense. So the next headline reads exclusive from the peak of fitness to wanting to die. How the covid vaccine ruined one man's life. So, Mary, what is Adam Rowland's story? Oh, it's such a sad story, but it's so important that we cover these stories. So this is a man who worked in the fitness industry, both in the U.S. and the U.K., and he received two doses of the AstraZeneca shot in the spring of 2021, and he is permanently disabled, Bernadette. He has every major organ system that with problems, his heart, his lungs, um, his balance, everything. He has multi-system inflammatory organ failure, essentially. And he says it's living hell. It's like living hell. I wish, um, I wouldn't wish this on my worst entity, uh, enemy. He was on the brink of suicide, largely because doctors wouldn't believe him. Mm-hmm. But then he found people online, thankfully. And, and he says, you know, don't suffer in silence. Follow your intuition. Find a doctor who will believe you. Connect with other people and similar circumstances so he's fighting back but uh his life has been absolutely destroyed yeah i read the whole story and i'd like to get him on the show as well um i think it's important like you said we we must we must uh you know acknowledge these uh these injuries that people have experienced and uh in order to move forward and you know and uh, you know finally the lancet uh acknowledged that natural immunity is superior to the mrna covid vaccines i mean it's all over the place we made a mistake we need to acknowledge it we need to we need to fix and help the people that were injured because of it and not stick our head in the sand over it couldn't agree more yeah all right, well, the next headline reads, a CHD, that's Children's Health Defense, sues CDC to obtain documents on COVID vaccine injuries and deaths reported in VAERS. Mary, what is the significance of this lawsuit and why is it so very important? So we have been filing Freedom of Information Act requests for over over uh, you know several years, but we have just started suing when um, the agencies don't comply. So we a couple of weeks ago sued the Food and Drug Administration. Now we're suing the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They promised us back last summer that they would give us by December data about their proportional reporting ratio tests on the VAERS data, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System data. In other words, they have ways to test. Um, the data that they collect about adverse events, and they didn't send it to us. And that information is critical, not only the data itself, but also the emails that, that CDC was getting from their contractors collecting the data. Mm-hmm. So we believe that there was a huge rise in adverse events that they basically anticipated, and we need to understand what that was. They had promised all this information to the American people, so we're going to um, help them perform. Wow. This is a big story. It is. And the VAERS, oh my gosh, when you look at the criteria to even make a report, right? And uh, there's certain, it's certain. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I have it here in my stack of papers. I was, I was, I went down a rabbit hole yesterday looking up, uh, you know, the, um, it's, it's called the VAERS Table of Reportable Events Following Vaccination. And so it has the criteria. It must happen within X amount of days, depending upon like what it is. Right. And uh, one of the, for, uh, there was one for, you know, this, the human papillomavirus. Uh, 
It should. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's. It says seven days, but you can't. You can't always know if you've been injured within seven no, days. Is the point of me bringing it up, right? Right. I mean, you you actually can put in VAERS reports that that go beyond that, but there's just been a lot of questions about how accurate the VAERS reporting has been, whether they actually included everything that was sent to them, and the fact that they haven't produced these ratios that would tell us the the escalation in adverse reports. It's you know, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, a very dear friend, and her oldest daughter has lupus, and she got it um, back a few years ago. I think she was 12, and uh, she thinks it was because of the vaccination, the MMR um, vaccination, um, and which chronic arthritis is, uh, is, uh, can, can happen from, uh, from oh, it's absolutely. an event. Yeah, yeah, and, and, but it says in this, in this uh, you know, this document, this form from, from VAERS, that the chronic arthritis is uh, within 42 days. Well, it didn't happen within 42 days, and with, to make, uh, you know, her point, you know, when you're raising children, you're not keeping track of days and stuff like that. You know, you're raising kids, you're taking them to school, you're packing lunches. You're not counting days of and expecting your child to have an adverse reaction, right? So sometimes it's very hard to remember exactly when that injury happened. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 we need more data about the injuries, and a lot of that is in this um, VAERS system, and I think we're going to get it. I think yeah. the courts are going to side with us on this. I the courts so. have been reasonably good. It takes time, but the courts have basically gotten us the information that we have about the clinical trials mm-hmm. and about the adverse events. Yeah, well, that's good news, uh, and we could use that. <laughs> so, yep. uh, uh, so we'll go to the next story. We have three more headlines to go. The next one reads, FBI collusion with Twitter, shocking. Witnesses tell panel at weaponization hearing. So, Mary, this report was very shocking to read, and can you tell our listeners what was discovered through testimony at the U.S. House Judiciary Committee's Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of, uh, of the Federal Government on Thursday, February 9th? Well, what's exciting is that now that the House of Representatives is not under the same control as the White House, there are real hearings starting to happen, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And this select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government is really looking at how the FBI in particular was subverted um, by partisan politics and also by this attempt to censor people. And there is this collusion that was very clear between Twitter and the FBI, uh, and also for censorship. And um, actually, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, a former member of uh, the House of Representatives, spoke on this and talked about how many Americans are really afraid of speaking out. And information came out from former FBI agents showing that there was a shocking level of collusion and censorship. So this should make everybody concerned. When the Mm -hmm. federal government itself starts taking partisan positions and doing things that are explicitly unconstitutional, we all have to be aware Mm -hmm. and awake. Yeah, and we're being flagged, and we're being tracked if we if we don't agree with uh, you know being vaccinated. And who would, who in their right mind at this point would not at least question the efficacy and the safety of especially the COVID nineteen vaccine? I don't know how they could. Any mandate is unethical. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, the next headline reads, don't want a smart meter? Take it up with your state lawmakers, experts say. Mary, what did Suzanne Burdick, Ph.D., share in her report on smart meters in this top news story from the Defender newsletter? Well, it's exciting. Suzanne Burdick is following everything related to electromagnetic radiation, and this is a big issue. It's not just 5G. It's it's everything, and it's about this sort of 
radiation devices, Wi-Fi, uh, smartphones, smartwatches, uh, antenna, street lamps, everything that's happening around us. And this is a, a good news story, Bernadette. In Massachusetts, the two major uh, antenna providers said, okay, if you don't have a smart meter, we're going to charge you more than $30 extra on your monthly mm-hmm bill, your electricity bill, and the legislature shot it down. So this was really good, and the article talks about other states where you have the right to opt out of smart meters, and um, smart meters are a problem for people who, probably for everybody, but certainly for people who are electrosensitive. If you, if your bedroom is right across from uh, a, a smart meter, you are being radiated with pulse mm. radiation many times a day. And especially for people who have sensitivity, it can cause fatigue, headaches, uh, nausea, lots of serious medical symptoms. So mm-hmm. the good news here is that people are pushing back, people are becoming more aware, and um, lawmakers are taking into account. Yeah, and there are people that are very sensitive. A dear friend of mine who I met through the radio show, Alan uh, McPhail, he's the one that uh, helps me rescue animals. He's one of those people and he has suffered tremendously. It has really um, done so much harm to his life, so we do have to pay attention and think about other people when it comes to stuff like this and our environment. But the last story, and my personal favorite uh, from the Defender newsletter reads, John Campbell, excluding dissenting voices is intellectual fascism. Mary, what are the highlights from a conversation uh, that YouTube sensation John Camp- Campbell, Ph.D., and comedian and political commentator Russell Brand uh, in this piece written by Brenda Belletti, Ph.D. What did they say? Well, again, this I agree with you. This is so welcome. Russell Brand is so great in, in making fun of everything, and John <laughs> Campbell has been a great source of credible medical information online. And basically they have a conversation about the errors and omissions that happened during COVID. So... They should have been, the public health authorities should have been telling people to take vitamin D. They didn't do any of that. They told people to do things like lockdowns and masks that shouldn't have happened. So they just kind of go through things. And as they say, censoring, censorship is intellectual fascism. You mm-hmm. can't censor legitimate ideas and expect that you're going to end up with the best ideas. You're not. You're just going to end up with a fascistic kind of uh, narrative. Absolutely. Well put, I might add. And the music is playing. We never have enough time. Mary, thank you so much for jumping on the air with us today. And thank you for all the work that the Children's Health Defense does. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bernadette. You're welcome. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. uh, And have a good evening. The rest of your afternoon. You get one body. You get one mind. And you get one life. And healthy people create a healthy planet. Healthy people, healthy planet. Healthy planet.